This is Brian Oaks, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. .org. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coden with updates from Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Faced with the economic consequences of a strike, Congress will vote today to force the railroad unions to accept the tentative contract agreement approved in September. After a White House meeting, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said action on this railroad issue must be taken. We must avoid a strike. It's, uh, jobs will be lost, even union jobs will be lost, water will not be safe, product will not be going to market. It is, uh, we could lose 750,000 jobs, some of them union jobs, that must be avoided. The Senate has not scheduled a vote yet, but party leaders said it will happen soon. The Biden administration helped negotiate this contract in September. It calls for a significant pay increase, but some union workers are upset with quality of life issues, including paid sick leave. The Chinese government appears to be easing some of its COVID restrictions. <clears throat> As a result, many of the protests have quieted down. However, Reuters is reporting riot police in hazmat suits were clashing with protesters overnight. Global markets are continuing to monitor that situation. After the United States threatened action through the USMCA trade agreement, the Mexican president is now backpedaling on his plan to ban biotech corn imports. Andreas Manuel Lopez Obrador said the ban on corn for human consumption uh, uh, remains. The exemption for GMO corn for feed usage will be uh, available, though. Um, the Mexican leader also appears open to more negotiations. Federal Reserve Board Chairman Jerome Powell will be making a speech this afternoon at the Brookings Institute. Powell is expected to focus on inflation and the need to continue raising interest rates. However, most analysts expect the Fed to implement a half basis point increase in December rather than the three quarters point increase over the past four months. Equipment shortages, nothing new with all the supply chain bottlenecks and the ongoing challenges since COVID. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. According to Reuters, John Deere executives released a statement saying combines are sold out for the 2023 fiscal year. Stonex chief commodity economist Arlen Suderman says the high commodity prices in recent years have driven up demand. Well, it's certainly been a different environment that we've been in, um, whether it be trying to get new, new parts or whatever with supply chain challenges over the past couple of years. And, and farmers went quite a few years without updating their equipment. So some of it was requiring increased repairs. You have to wait for repair parts. And uh, labor is expensive now in the current environment. So some farmers are looking at the, the revenues they've been getting from the crops that they've produced over the past couple of years and say, why not upgrade that equipment? So they've been trying to do so. Uh, unfortunately, the same problems that keep us from getting new cars as quickly as what we want are also happening in the equipment industry. Suderman says the chip shortage is also a missing link. With the chip shortages, uh, so much of our equipment rely upon chips as well as just the ability to manufacture and get things produced and distributed has really slowed the supply chain and demand is strong because we've had a couple of years of good prices and farmers wanting to reinvest that revenue to upgrade their equipment lines. That's led to some long waiting lists for equipment when they do try to do so. 
supply chain issues happen in two different ways and sometimes a combination. One is when you have disruptions in production like what we had in COVID. The other is when you increase demand suddenly beyond what the supply chains were built to handle. And in this case, I think we've had both at hand. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Federal policies often grab the headlines, but action in the state legislatures can have a considerable impact on farmers and ranchers. Bayer Senior Director of State Policy and Advocacy Dave Tierney says crop protection industry has been the center of attention in some states. Glyphosate is certainly um, a situation there um, in the insecticide business. The neonicotinoids, the use of neonics has, get, has gotten some attention. Um, you know, so we continue to work with uh, work with a lot of policymakers on, on just the value and the benefit of pesticides. The DFL controls the House, Senate, and Governor's office in Minnesota, while the Republicans have a supermajority in North Dakota and South Dakota. Speaking at a Bayer event last night in Fargo, Tierney encouraged farmers to remain involved. Things can happen really fast in the state legislature, so you know, stay close to your elected officials. I know they're very receptive to hearing from their constituents, and because uh, again, things can move fast. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Farm news on the Red River Farm Network. Earlier this month, a new record price for farmland was set in northwest Iowa, $30,000 per acre. Piper's auction and realty and land management president, Kevin Piper, says land prices like that aren't much more than headlines, but land prices have gone up significantly in the last year and a half. Those are aberrations that, that really defy any common sense. Most land in those areas are selling into the high teens. But again, we're seeing a, a, a pretty steady, strong increase. And we have now for about the last 15 months, land values have basically increased 40 to 60 percent. Uh, so that has brought land prices to all-time record highs in our area for cropland and pasture land and even recreational lands. And even with the increase in interest rates, we have not seen any softening in the land values over the course of the last three or four months. Piper says he has seen a younger generation investing in land. Well, I think I think one thing that we're seeing that is really, I think, a shining element in, in American agriculture is we are seeing a lot of 30 to 50 year old people buying farmland and that is really really refreshing um, you know obviously a lot of them uh, that are in their 30s now they grew up in an era with low interest rates and fairly decent commodity prices and uh, certainly some good years in american agriculture on the production side i think it's good for our culture and i think it's really good for american agriculture Due to a system breakdown, USDA delayed the weekly crop progress reports by one day. In Minnesota, 53% of the topsoil rated short to very short. North Dakota, 64% of the topsoil moisture supplies are in the same category. In South Dakota, that has the biggest soil moisture deficit with 88% of the topsoil moisture supplies short to very short. The Northern Ag Expo continues today until 2 o'clock in Fargo at the Fargo Dome. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Whitney Pittman has this report. Summit Carbon Solutions is moving ahead with plans in North Dakota, Iowa, and Minnesota for ethanol plants to have a way to store carbon dioxide in northwest North Dakota. Summit Carbon Solutions Manager of Agriculture and Stakeholder Relations, Charlie Adams, spoke at the Northern Ag Expo yesterday and explained that storage space for this CO2 is immense. If you do the math and we're doing like 12 million 
Um, you know, tons of CO2 per year is kind of what the plan is off the pipeline as it stands right now. Maybe a little bit more than that with some, uh, you know, room for expansion. But what's been calculated so far is about 250 billion tons of CO2 storage available down there. So if you do that math, it's like several thousand years of storage if we keep going at the 12 million tons per year. You know, the comment was once made, like fossil fuels will probably run out before we run out of storage for this type of thing in uh, Northwest North Dakota. Addressing safety concerns for the new pipeline system, Adams says a lot of safety measures will be taken. He also says that a similar CO2 pipeline has already been operational in North Dakota for years without incident. There's already been a CO2 pipeline in North Dakota operational for over 20 years. And so this, some of this technology isn't just coming up here in the last recent year or two, um, over 20 years. Um, no issues. And that operates at a very high uh, pressure, 2800 PSI, that's well above what Reporting for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Titan Machinery reporting fiscal year third quarter revenues at $669 million, 47% more year over year. Gross profits for the quarter of $140 million is up 21%. Titan's agriculture segment uh, revenue for the quarter reported at $493 million compared to $281 million a year ago. Net income for the quarter reported at $41 million. The National Corn Growers Association supports new legislation that would make E15 accessible year-round. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, South Dakota Senator John Thune, and 13 other lawmakers introduced the Consumer and Fuel Retail Choice Act. This uh, act would ensure permanent full market access for E15. Just a reminder, uh, for more information from the Red River Farm Network, you can go online uh, to rrfn.com, go to Facebook, Twitter, and more. The Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Tough weeds like pigweed and water hemp have changed the way farmers manage weeds. BASF District Sales Manager Ken Dybert looks at a layered approach. Quite frankly, here in North Dakota, northern Minnesota, over the last few years, this in-crop, or what we like to call layering residuals, uh, has really... I would say has really become the favorite, uh, so to speak, way to apply these these Group 15 chemistries like Zidua, Outlook, for example, uh, and, and labeled in a number of crops to include, you know, Outlook labeled in soybean, sugar beet, uh, obviously labeled in corn, uh, dry beans. And so all of those crops uh, where we have the opportunity to layer residuals, and, and I would say especially soybean in that case. There is optimism about new traits that are in the pipeline. We just can't wait for that to, to get here, obviously, but we have some time to buy here in the meantime that we got to utilize the, the important tools that we have in that toolbox today, like Outlook. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, there's a number of other products labeled in that arena, but I think that's important to get that residual chemistry down to control things like water hemp. BASF is adding 10 new soybean varieties coming out for 2023. Soybean seed marketing manager Doug Little says that innovation will continue. Four more years out, we're going to have our own exclusive germplasm uh, coming out of our own breeding pool for the Midwest grower. So that's, a, that's an exciting place to be because now we'll be able to talk about differentiation in germplasm at BSF along with our enlisted three trait. And then in uh, 20, uh, late 2009, uh, 2030, we'll have our... Uh, nematode-resistant uh, trait coming out in which, again, that'll be innovative and new pipeline uh, material for uh, our Zatawa lineup. 
Additional traits will be coming in the next decade. We think about 2030 now with the collaboration with uh, Corteva we're going to NMS Technologies. We're going to have um, uh, a new four-way uh, traded soybeans and then not too much after that a five-way uh, herbicide tolerant traded uh, soybean with some new uh, herbicide uh, uh, mode of actions that will be new uh, to the industry at that time. Little was part of the Breakfast with BASF program at the Northern Ag Expo yesterday. USDA appointed 19 new farmer leaders to serve on the United Soybean Board. 24 farmer leaders were reappointed. Leaders will be sworn in for service during the United Soybean Board's December meeting. Newly appointed leaders included Thomas Fritch from Dumont, Minnesota, and Don Shear of Salem, South Dakota. Checking those markets, we're a half penny down for the Dees Wheat contract, Minneapolis Wheat, 939 and three quarters. In Chicago, the December contract, three quarters of a cent higher, and hard red winter wheat, December nickel higher. Dees corn, three quarters of a cent higher, 665. March, I should say, uh, three quarters of a cent lower there, 665. March, a gain of a penny. Soybeans are higher this morning as we speak. 1470 and a half for the Jan contract contract. That's eleven cents higher. March ten and a quarter higher at fourteen seventy-six and a quarter. So we check in on the farm calendar, day two of the Northern Ag Expo. Uh, this, uh, they've got a grain market outlook going on today. Dr. Frane Olson of NDSU, Randy Martinson of Martinson Ag Risk Management, and Betsy Jensen from Northland Community and Technical College will be the presenters. The show uh, goes from 8.30 to 2 o'clock today. And coming up next, uh, uh, actually starting today, is the Ag Horizons Conference in Pierce, South Dakota. That will continue through tomorrow as well. Have yourself a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.